But here, I want to share what this really is. I just wrote a couple notes. And so our concept of God and what we meditate on, he's always talking about where you dwell. And uh, if you abide here, if my words abide in you and you abide in me, you know, Baxter Kruger is one of his favorites, John 14, where it says, in that day when I send my spirit, the spirit of God was in every man from the foundation of the world. It can be no other way because he's breathes life into humans. So that's why when you read Ephesians 4, it says, through in all there can be another way. He's in and through everybody, right? There's nobody that has life outside of life. That's, it's kind of like this easy thing. And so uh, the Muslim guy suddenly doesn't become alive and have life in him when he says the magic words. He's, he's alive because God breathed his spirit into him. Now our job is to teach them that they're perfectly loved sons and daughters of God married to Christ, that's really our job, because then all the nonsense goes away. So anyway, our concept of God and what we meditate on are where we abide, where we spend our, our thoughts, and what we imagine is what we experience in our lives. That's what I'm kind of showing you with the tabernacle of David and the, the two cherubim and where God's presence really is, because all religion, including most Christianity, has God where? In man or outside? Outside. And then Jesus says the kingdom's within. It's spiritual. So all the stories have to be spiritual. You guys understand that? Like when you get to Hebrews 12, where he says, uh, we're not looking for a physical Jerusalem, even though most Christianity is looking for a physical Jerusalem. He's going, all the physical things were pictures of something greater, which was spiritual. And he says, you've come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. You're already there. It's the spirits of just men made perfect. So anyway, uh, the kingdom, his glory, his presence is in us, not separate. He does not desire a master-servant relationship, because I hear that a lot. I'm just, I, I, I got to be obedient to God. You getting that feedback, bud? Or is that just me hearing it? Is it just me? Oh, it sounds really tingy, tinny up here. So, uh, <clears throat> like I said, think of it in a relationship again, a husband and wife relationship. If I'm the bride of Christ, and my, my relationship is not based on keeping no record of wrong and perfect love, but my, her, somehow her obedience to me, that is a dysfunctional relationship but unfortunately most people that's the relationship with God and they still have this distant outside God versus the creator of the universe the lover of the universe the uh his kingdom his glory his presence is one with you like you're it you're the prized possession so that's what we're trying to get across to you guys tonight so he is love he's desires for us to express his life through us got it all right let's just hit that first slide I just want to kind of give you a uh, something so do you guys know what the Septuagint is? Yeah? Yeah, it's the Greek interpretation of the Hebrew Old Testament. So Genesis 2.15, <clears throat> when it says the garden, it's really interesting. The Septuagint, it says this, And the Lord God took the man whom he had formed and placed him in the garden of delight. The garden of delight <clears throat> to cultivate it and keep it. We say Eden, but it's the garden of delight. And even if you read the whole narrative where we have this idea that God's so angry he throws man out, but if you read it closely, he says, I've reserved a way into delight. It's between the cherubim, which is within us, which Jesus and Paul reveal. So anyway, this garden of delight, it literally, before we get into it, it's, uh, uh, and I'll show you, it literally means to be treated like a bride, effeminate, luxurious, bride of Christ. Now, ladies, doesn't that sound good? So kind of how I describe that is like, uh, like um, if you go to the Broadmoor, if you've never gone to the Broadmoor, just go. It's just, it's awesome. It, it, it's, 
here's, here's how I kind of look at it. It's like God's, God so desires to give us the desire of our heart to, to, for us to live in this luxury and this pleasure. It's so far from the religious nonsense we hear about this stony God, this religious God. He's like, I want to give you the desires of your heart. And it really is this delightful, luxurious thing where they spoil the bride like crazy. And to me, just if you want locally, some of you guys are at a distance, Broadmoor is the only five-star resort in Colorado. It's right here in Colorado Springs. And we go there for staycations. Just, it's just awesome. You go, and, they, and it's just awesome. You know, they treat you uh, like the effeminate, luxurious bride. But I still won't wear a Speedo. That's just, that, that'll never happen. So, and I'll never wear skinny jeans. <laughs> that should be illegal. Sulin, growing up in, in uh, Nebraska, what would you say to a guy that wore skinny jeans? It's just not right. Sorry, that's just us, how we grew up. It's just like, sorry, it's just not right. It, I get it, it's fashion. I go, I don't participate. Um, God did not make man to wear tight jeans. Now, my wife, that's a different story. I'm okay with that, but it's, it's uh, come on, guys. Get with the program. Anyway. <laughs> Michael, if you ever come in with skinny jeans, we'll have a talk. So uh, they, don't, they don't allow Oklahoma kids to do that either, do they? Now, if you guys, if you wear skinny jeans, relax. I just think it's a little odd. So <sighs> you haven't kept Proverbs 4.22, keep your heart with all diligence if you're a man with skinny jeans. <laughs> it doesn't say so uh, guard your heart. So here's what he's saying. Where, so when he says, hey, Jesus in the parables, the kingdom, he goes, you know what? If you understand this parable, you'll understand the whole kingdom. You'll understand the mystery of the kingdom. And then he tells us, where is the garden? Where's the soil? your heart, right? Your heart. So it's a, it's a physical picture of what's really true about you, the temple, the, the bride of Christ, everything. So he says, keep your heart with, if you're going to be diligent about anything, because a lot of word of faith, religious stuff goes, has you been diligent in the word and diligent praying? And did you do this? And did you not do that? And did you stop doing this? Because God can't bless you unless you do this, which is all nonsense. So if you're going to use willpower for anything is to abide in the truth of who you are. When, when something doesn't look right on the outside, go back to inside and go, this is who I am in Christ. That's where diligence comes, where he says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, which literally is the boundary of Zoe. How much life, how much abundance, how much health can you enjoy? We good so far? Okay. So Psalm 37, which is one of my favorites, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust is persuasion, belief, faith, all the things that the new covenant's about. Dwell in the land. So the land is where again? Your heart, right? So it's not the physical land that he's talking about. The physical land tells us a picture of something that's true about us in Christ. So it says, dwell here, feed on his faithfulness. So even when we don't have a lot of faith, we can go, you know what? God is perfect love, and would a, would a husband that's passionately in love with his bride take care of his bride? Huh, of, course it, of course he would. So that I can get my faith from his faithfulness. Because there's only one faith is what Paul tells us. You guys good? All right. So feed on his faithfulness, meaning meditate on that. Feed on that. Delight yourself in the Lord. That's that word we'll talk about a little bit later. It literally means to be treated like the effeminate, luxurious bride that you are. Delight yourself in the Lord. So you, you plant pictures of all that in your heart. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, doesn't that sound more like a, a great husband? Yeah. So it's, this is kind of how I've always described it. As I go, so we have this beautiful, intimate dinner. And then we walk out, and uh, 
Actually, Broadmoor doesn't have any good shops like that anymore, do they? They used to, but they don't really anymore. They got a cool, the Republic, what's that? The Great Republic's a really cool store if you're patriotic. But anyway, just, to, just imagine like there's a Chanel store or something like that, or a Louis store, right? I know that's what you're like, the LV. So she walks out, and my wife's like, oh, I love that purse. Now, as a husband, what do I want to do? Would that make you happy? Oh, let me get it for you. That's that word delight. Does that you find, understand that? Very different than be obedient, because God demands obedience, isn't it? And I hear the Christianism just like, ah. So, like, it's so far from this passionate God who's like, delight yourself in me, and I will give you the desire of your heart. Now, here's how it happens. It actually fits the parable of the sower perfectly. Commit your way to him. That means roll it back over to him. So we have a desire. It's like, oh, Lord, I would love that. It says, roll it back over to him. Be persuaded in him. And who's going to bring it to pass? He is. We don't have to know how. We know not how. You just, whatever desire is in there, know that he delights in bringing it to you if you just abide in his delight. Like he's this loving, passionate lover of me. Oh, of course he would give me that because that's a desire of my heart. Does that help you? That's good stuff. That's who he is. So, and this is what John 15 is saying. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So if you dwell there, where he's talking about dwelling is in your heart. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will. Is that limited or is that unlimited? Ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear a lot of fruit. Get it? So where do we abide? We abide in this. If God's given you a desire, so really as we go through this, I would just ask you, he made you. He placed a desire in your heart that, you, if, that if you just went, gosh, if, if, if we could do that, if that would just be amazing, Lord. He's like, does that make you happy? Then let me do it for you. You abide there. You stay there in your heart. Does that help? Then if you abide there, whatever you want, whatever your desire is, it shall be done unto you. This is how my Father's glorified, that you bear much fruit. Isn't that cool? None of the, is it his will, if it's not his will, all these weird things that we taught. Well, sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no. You cannot find that anywhere. All he says is yes, 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 yes. So be it, 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 so be it. Amen, 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 amen. Doesn't he? You got to go, got to go to some Bible study or something to get taught otherwise. So, but actually, if we just take scripture itself. Now, I want to show this video because I've had a ton of people ask me last week. I, I thought about just our time, but it's, a lot of people online were going, what video you're talking about? Joe Dispenza's daughter. And why I want to show you this is because this is unlimited, okay? So she's 15. I'm just setting it up. So a 15-year-old, uh, 15-year-old girl, like what would make a 15-year-old girl really happy? Probably a boy, but uh, otherwise shopping. She's like, you know what? I would like to manifest a unlimited shopping spree. So I want to show you this video. And there's two things in this video that are the absolute key to the mystery of the kingdom of God. And I'll see if you find them, and I'll talk about them afterwards, okay? So let's just roll this video real quick. My daughter probably is really the greatest creator I've ever come across in my life. And um, I'll tell you a few stories of my children in closing. Uh, my daughter was um, 15 years old. And... Um, it was the summertime, and she sat down with me, and she just, by the way, had finished her last creation, which was 
acting in a music video that she created that became number one in the United States on the charts. And so she, she was uh, with me at, uh, uh, in the summer, and I said, so, Gigi, what do you want to work on next? What do you want to work on? And now she's 15 years old, so you can imagine. And she said, I want an unlimited shopping spree. <laughs> now, what am I going to say to her? No. I said, okay, here's the deal. You've got to practice this every day. And I want you to get very clear on your mind on what it would be like to have the most amazing shopping spree of your life. But you can't get up as the same person who sat down in your meditation. You have to get up like you just had the most amazing shopping spree and you shopped your brains out. <laughs> and what do you think she said? No problem, Dad. And so it was the summertime, and in the summertime, children love their freedom. But she worked with me, and I'm, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning, and I do my meditation, and then I'm waiting for her, you know, and I hear the alarm go off, and I hear a rough, you know, rustle around in there, and then I hear her settle down, and I wait. And, you know, 30 minutes later, boom, the door opens up, and I look at her, and I go, how was it? And she go, <laughs> and I said, you have to recondition your body into believing that that future event is happening to, your, to you now because your body as the unconscious mind does not know the difference between an actual experience that produces an emotion and emotion that you fabricate by thought alone. And you have to change the circuitry in your brain neurologically to look like the event has happened then you have to emotionally condition your body into believing that future event is already done. And when your thoughts and feelings are aligned, when your mind and body are working together, you're headed for a new destiny. Now, there were some mornings she didn't want to do it, but I kind of knocked on her door and I said, hey, come on, I did mine, you going to do yours? And I got down on her level and I let her know that I had completed mine and I asked her to complete hers. Now, I was in Washington, D.C., I'll never forget this. I was driving in the cab getting ready to do this lecture and the phone rings and it's my daughter on the phone. Now I can't tell if she's laughing or she's crying, but she's altered in some way. And I say, what, what, what? Oh, you know that unlimited shopping spree? It happened today. I said, really? Tell me everything, don't leave anything out. She said, okay. And she was visiting a friend of hers in Santa Monica, California. And I live in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. And she said, okay, Dad, I went to my favorite store. And my buddy and I were, you know, rifling through the racks. You know how kids do that. And she said, all of a sudden, this guy walks up to us, my friend and I, and says to my friend, hey, is your father Sam Borelli? And uh, the young girl says, yeah, that's my dad. He said, okay, you two come with me. So he takes these two kids, he walks them behind the counter, and then behind the door, and he says, listen, your dad did me a major favor six months ago, and I've been trying to figure out a way to pay him back. And so he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out the company credit card, and he said, ladies, have a nice afternoon. So 
the, the cab pulls over on the side of the road, and I say to my daughter, <clears throat> how much <laughs> did you spend? She spent, said, I spent $7,500 today, Dad. <laughs> I said, do you feel guilty about that? She said, nope. <laughs> and I said, never feel guilty for anything you do, good or bad. And so I said, look, I got to go. I'm going to call you on my way back to the airport on Sunday. You know, congratulations. Now, she's the type of kid that bought stuff for her brothers and, you know, everything else. But <clears throat> so when I'm driving back uh, on the, in the cab, I call her up. How you doing? How's it going? Now, here's the beauty behind the whole thing. She was seven, 15 years old. Yeah, 15 years old. And she said, Dad, you know what? The experience was way greater than I ever imagined. And then she said, but you know the part that I can't stop thinking about? It was my mind that created this. Now, my daughter, since then, has created so many amazing things in her life. And uh, it was Christmas time, and I sat down with her, and I said to her, okay, how do you do it? What's the secret? <laughs> and she said, I'm going to tell you what I do. I move into a state of being where I convince my brain and body it's already done. And then I get up and live as if my prayers are already answered. She said, I, the moment I start to analyze and try to figure out where it's going to come from, I just return back to the old self. The new self would never think that way. And I said, say that again? <laughs> so my children begin to understand that they are empowered by their mind and their interaction with the field of intelligence that everybody has access to. That's one of my favorites. A lot of people are like, well, it's not very Christian. I go, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of her heart. Now, he talks about it, this field of intelligence. We know it as the love of the God, the Holy Spirit, who's in and through all. So that's why I read that. Amen? So if, if, that, was, if that was Christ Jesus' desire, would that anointing in Jesus attract that to him? Yes. The same anointings within is the secret. So I actually picked up more than two. To, I was just going to ask you, what do you think the two things are in there? But he, he said three or four, actually. But the two main ones, what do you think? You, anybody pick them up? Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing a bunch of them. How do you convince it? The emotion. You cannot have an emotion of where is it? Uh, is it real? Why is this not happening to me? I've done everything. It's not working. She goes, I convince my body that it's already done. And the only way you do that is emotion. You cannot think it in. Does that make sense? You, use, you, you, you picture it between the cherubim is what he says, this image. So we were talking about this at our fellowship the other, the other night. We were created in his image. What is an image? It's a picture. What do you do with your mind? You create pictures. You imagine. So we are created in God's imagination is what he's really trying to say. 
We are co-creators with him. We have this divine mind is what it says. But until this gets it, the heart, which is, I don't, you know, all the neuroscience, everything, they're like, it's a million times more powerful. It's this much more powerful. All every, any neuroscientist would tell you is, until this is persuaded, you got Jack. Does that make sense? And that's really, that's really Jesus' brother James where he says, uh, a man divided is unstable in all of his ways. Don't think you have it, don't have it. Either you have it or you don't. Does that make sense? And so she's telling him, she's like, Dad, I get up and convince my body that is, it already has taken place. And you can only do that with emotion. Follow me? So, and it's really Mark eleven twenty four. 24, everything that we've been sharing. If you knew that he perfectly loved you and he's, before you've even asked, he's answered you, how can you not have joy? Where you can design it. Like you can go, that's what you want? God didn't deal with her and go, really? That's a selfish thing. Did he? I see that with Christians all the time. If God knows what you're going to do with it, then he'll give it to you. That's not where anywhere I read. He says, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Hey, David, you wanted another lady? I would have given it to you if you would have asked. What? It's in there. Isn't that weird? Oh, man, I would encourage you not to do that. That's not, <laughs> that's not what he was after. Um, but he's telling them it's like this unlimited thing that we have. That's what I'm trying to get across, good or bad. So there's one spirit. There's one body. There's one faith. There's one, that's what, one baptism, right? So that's it, that the emotion, you get the emotion as if it's already done. He said, you got to do it every day as if it's already done. And you've convinced your body that it's done. Follow me? And I think the second most powerful thing I heard my bride say it, never feel guilty, good or bad, of whatever you've done. That's huge, isn't it? Because the law can only make you feel guilty. It can only show you what's wrong with you, right? But he says, you know what? You've been set free from that thing, that of the law of sin and death, and you're looking at him face to face. And he's perfect love, and he keeps no record of wrong. So you, and that what people miss, then they think this is like, so you're giving them a license to sin. It's the exact opposite. They don't realize, is it, is it his punishment that leads to repentance, or is it his goodness that leads to a radical change of heart. So when you know the, the whole prodigal son story, did he have a radical change of heart? No. He's like, you know what, Lord, I went to Vegas. I screwed up. I did everything wrong. Um, I wasn't a good steward of my money. And what was the father's response? I tried to tell you. No, the father was like, put the best robe back on that guy. He deserves everything just because I love him. He's my son. Amen? You cannot lose it. You cannot lose the anointing. You cannot lose the favor. You cannot lose the blessing. Thank God he doesn't deal with us on that, right? If you still can't get there, I promise you there's a veil of guilt there somewhere. Somewhere. And just know he doesn't deal with you like that. He's removed that as far as the east is from the west. He's like, you're, the, the, you're a beloved bride, and my desire is for you just to pamper you, spoil you with everything. So what, what, you can just ask yourself this. So what, what would you... Like, Lord, if you did this in my life, I would feel so loved and pampered. Whatever that is, he's already said yes a million times yes. Now, what would that give to you? That would give you a pretty good emotion, wouldn't it? So anyway, that's what I want you to get. So uh, I want to read a couple things out of Dispenza's book, too, because this is really good. Then we'll, we'll, we'll finish this up. He says, change your mind, change your life. That sounds like repentance, a radical change of mind. Metanoia is what it is. So mind is matter and matter is mind. So that's, that's Einstein. E equals M, right? So what if you could change your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, and your way of being outside the bounds of time and space? What if you could change ahead of time and see the effects of those internal changes in your external world? You can. That's what, it, that's what that video is about. 
What has profoundly and positively changed my life and lives of so many others is the understanding that changing one's mind and thereby having a new experience and gaining new insights is simply a matter of breaking the habit of being yourself. Meaning that you can't get there from here if you're going to still try to figure it out with the same emotions. When you overcome your senses, what you see physically, that's faith, right? When you understand that you are not bound by the chains of your past, meaning you don't have to feel guilt. Hey, I did this with my life. I didn't do this with my life. Um, that way I, don't, I can't deserve God's best. He doesn't operate that way. When you have a life that is greater than your body, when you live a life that is greater than your body, your environment and time, all things are possible. Isn't that scriptural too? I'm trying to show you the universal intelligence, that would be the Holy Spirit, that would be his love, that animates, brings to life the existence of all things will both surprise and delight you. It wants nothing more than to provide you access with everything you want. Now, I'm going to get grief already. And it's just because the religious teaching most of you guys got. So you're just saying God's like this? Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. Then why isn't it happening to me? Are you still feeling guilty? Are you feel, still feeling like you have to read enough or do enough, whatever? If, just, you have to accept that what goes on in your mind is more real than the physical. That's what he's trying to say. That's what faith is. That's what the spiritual is, right? So most people pray for like two days and go, where is it? He's like, you got to get up every day with the emotions as if it's already done. Amen? And did it happen? There's so many cool testimonies to that. So anyway, let's go to the, the, the next slide here. All right, because I want to show you this. So this was King David. We're talking about the Tabernacle of David. And I, I did this last week, but I, two weeks ago. But I want to share this again. Um, Jim Farmer, you and I were talking the other night at the hot yoga class. We didn't participate. We let the ladies participate. And we just had an adult soda pop. So, no, we were not in our Speedos. <laughs> we wouldn't have had a long conversation if you were in a Speedo, trust me. As I grow, and I just... Uh, this just doesn't work in Iowa. <laughs> Sorry, man. So uh, anyway, they were, how many of you guys would agree Speedos were not built for men? They should be illegal. So there should be a law for that. We're free from all laws except for that law. So that should be a law. Anyway, so here's David, King David. And this is why we said we were covering the last couple of weeks. Why is the tabernacle of David going to be restored as, as prophesied in or as talked about Jesus' brother James in, in the book of Acts. It doesn't say that pro, the temple of Solomon's going to be rebuilt. And you guys know why? Solomon's temple was built of stone. Stony heart, old covenant of stone. The stone was rolled away so you can go face to face with Jesus. Stone was always this stony heart, this legalism that can't be changed. Follow me? The tabernacle of David was Jew-Gentile. Everybody could experience his presence at all times. God's presence was in a tent or a tabernacle. Tabernacle is literally a tent made of skin. What does that sound like to you and I? You and I. You are that tent made of skin where God's presence is. Cool? All right, so here's David's psalms. You know, David, a lot of times in his psalms, he says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord. So where's the earth? Let's talk about this. The earth is... Your heart. So it says, make a joyful noise where? Right there. Right? So 
Say the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with joyful songs. That's why we do praise and worship, etc. So know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with yada, praise. It's that thanksgiving. It's his praise. We'll go through. And his courts with praise. Give yada to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good and his loving devotion endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. Now I want to I share something what uh, I just looked up the tabernacle of David, then we'll talk about Yada a minute. Um, so here's the, here's the difference of the tabernacle of David versus the, uh, the tabernacle of Solomon. Now, most Christians are still trying to fund the third temple, the tabernacle of Solomon. They're still trying to build a stony temple in Jerusalem, not realizing they haven't read the book of Hebrews. It says, you've already come to this Jerusalem. You've come to the temple. In fact, you're it. And I hid it where you can never find it, in you. So, uh, the tabernacle of David. King David had full free access to God's presence at any time. The tabernacle of stone, Solomon's temple, only the high priest could go in once a year. And he was anointed. Well, guess what all this anointing means? You're anointed. So when, how, when can you go into his presence? Anytime. That's what he's saying. So there was no veil separating the people from the Ark of the Covenant, his presence. Like that was, that's the tabernacle of David. Anybody could just go in. In fact, they put it in the house of Obed-Edom for th- for how many months? What's three? The Trinity, yeah, it's the three days, right? The three months, it's what three is this thing. So, Obed-Edom, the Gentile, it's not a Jew, did he get cursed by God's presence or was he blessed out of his socks? Blessed out of his socks, so, so much so that David's like, give me that thing back, if you go read the story. So meaning that, hey, the tabernacle of David blesses even the Gentile. And Jew and Gentile could come in and uh, there was no sacrifice. In fact, there was no killing of an animal. Because what God desired, think about love again, perfect love. I'm like, honey, be obedient. And if you're not obedient, sacrifice something. Like, what a bizarre thing that we all grew up learning, right? There was no veil separating people from the Ark of the Covenant there were, as there was in Moses' tabernacle, Solomon's tabernacle, etc. Everyone could come before God's presence in this simple tent of skin. I love that. Many of the psalms were written at worship at David's tabernacle. The move sparked a different type of worship than occurred at Moses. At David's tabernacle, the people made sacrifices of praise instead of animal sacrifices, Psalm 27.6. They clapped their hands, Psalm 47.1. Lifted their hands in worship, Psalm 134. They shouted, Psalm 47. They danced, 2 Samuel and Psalm 149. They sought the Lord and played their instruments. They had his glory in God's presence. Now where is his glory Within, his presence is within. That's what this is all saying. So that word yada, so David, here, David's the, a man after God's own heart, meaning I know your perfect love because even when I messed up, I didn't bring a sacrifice. I wanted, you wanted a contrite heart, Lord. You wanted to change my heart. If you go read his story, right? And, uh, and then he says, you enter God's presence with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving has the idea that if I've received something, what do I say? Thank you. Right? So, a lot of you guys are trying to thank him into giving it to you. Follow me? If you know he's already given it to you, whatever you desire, oh, Lord, you're amazing. The 15-year-old shopping spree, like, you know what was, Lord? Dad, it was better than I could have imagined. That is a girl, I promise you, that doesn't have an, an idea of an angry, vengeful God. She's like, she calls it something else. So I think she's missing this relationship. 
you know, the infinite intelligence, whatever. But that is a happy girl. Follow me? She probably doesn't have all the emotional, psychological issues as charismatic Christians, evangelical, that we grew up with, thinking that unless you do this, if you don't do this, you don't do that, God's going to be angry at you. That's dysfunction. And we get dysfunctional kids out of that, unfortunately. So anyway, so yada. So each Hebrew letter has, has a, a picture associated with it. also has a meaning. So yad is the hand. Dalet is a door. And hey is grace. And a lot of you guys have heard that through Joseph Prince teaching, etc. He says, thanksgiving, this, you enter into God's presence with thanksgiving, this joy. Everything that has breath does what? Praises the Lord, right? So he says, praise, thanksgiving, is the hand that opens the door to grace. But some of you guys, I wanted to go dig a little deeper because I'm like, yeah, grace can be really this nebulous thing now. It's been thrown around so long. In fact, most of the things that say they're grace are so far from grace. I'm like, that's not grace. Like, you got all kinds of legalism in there yet. So grace is grace. There's nothing but grace. Amen? So the mystery of hey, that last letter, the praise is the, the hand that opens the door of something. And uh, just the letter hey in itself is, says the Jewish mystics or the spiritual ones, <clears throat> it's the divine creation of God. Hey represents God's creative power. Now what did the 15-year-old say? I would get this emotion that it happened as if it's already happened. I conditioned my body to believe it's already done. It's God's creative power. Amen? It says... He, hey, is a picture of the presence of God within the human heart. Hey is, is a picture of returning to God by means from his transforming power and spirit. So praise when we realize he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He gives you the desires of your heart. In fact, he loves nothing more than to delight yourself with the desires of your heart. So we'll get into that here in a second. But as we, when we realize we already have it, there's nothing that we can do but go, thank you, Lord, you're so amazing. Despite anything you see going on in the physical. Does that help you guys? Because like I said, most people pray for two or three days and go, oh, it didn't happen. Wait, I thought faith is believing what, that what goes on between the cherubim in his presence and in my heart is more real than anything I see here. It's believing I have something that I can't see with my physical senses. Does that help you guys? Once you get the fact that, you mean he's given me a divine mind that whatever I picture immediately starts to come from the spirit to the physical, then you start to picture good things and you get excited. Amen? But if you haven't convinced yourself that, where you still have to do all these religious things, pray right, do right, do it right, do it wrong, you're not there. It's like, you have it. That's what I'm trying to get you guys to understand. You are the fullness of the anointing. <laughs> Whatever's attracted to Jesus is attracted to you. You're that anointed. Isn't that good? And you're as righteous as Mother Teresa. <laughs> Amen? No matter what you have or haven't done. Whew, that'll get a religious person upset. You mean, yeah. Well, what about Hitler? That was a big discussion in our fellowship too. Here's my response to that. Love never fails. He's such perfect love that even the stony heart of Hitler melts in his presence. And unless Hitler's in the loving arms of the Father, I can't be either. So thank God Hitler's there. Amen? I'm just telling you. And the, we were sharing where this really drove home to me is when Pastor Ted had this whole thing. And 
Bishop Oyedipo called us because we, we, we knew he had the, he knew we had relationship for him and, and he's like, where is he? And, and uh, we told him where he was. And then he said this, you guys have heard me say this, but it's still it's so profound to me to this day because we think it's this big thing, right? Oh, he fell. He didn't fall. Nothing can change ever in God's eyes. Amen? Something happened. And he says this. He says, you know what? What pastor did was not a big deal. Now, did the Christian community think it was a big deal? Yeah, I got calls from a lot of people, didn't I? Like, can you believe what happened? Yeah, because you're one too. There's people, life's easy. There's just us in it. There's people in it. So nothing will surprise me. Trust me, there's no judgment. Is, is there any more? I'm like, people, you won't believe it. Oh yeah, I've probably done it. Um, I'll probably believe it. That's usually what happens. Like, you'll never believe this. Like, well, Barbara and I do it all the time. It just, it sets the stage. And they're like, oh, really? So, not really, but. But he said this. He's like, what Ted did was not a big deal. I've done much worse to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't hold a record of me. I was like, that is awesome. That is awesome. And I've always remembered that, because it's easy to become a religious little turd, isn't it? And somehow I have judgment that somehow I didn't do that sin, so at least I'm better than that. And it's really an issue going on in your heart. So if you still can't see Hitler in the eyes of Jesus, pray for your own heart to be healed because it's a condition of your own heart. I promise you. Because if you can't believe that uh, the perfect love, that there's a love so intense, because otherwise, otherwise the first Adam wins. Or the first Adam, if, if, if fell and all fell, then the last Adam, which is the anointing of Jesus Christ himself, He's not satisfied with 99%. He is the one that will leave all of the healed sheep to go find us, the last one, so he gets 100%. That's perfect love. Otherwise, love fails, isn't it? Because when people always ask me that, it's like, even that, I go, does love fail or doesn't it? If it can't restore a heart like that, then it can't restore me. Amen? Because if I'm guilty of one, how many are I guilty of? All. I'm not saying I'm perfect, man. I, sometimes judgment comes up, and it, but I'm, that's where it just reminds me, I'm like, you religious little turd, stop. Because it's got to be a condition of my own heart where if I want to start judging somebody else. It's something I don't like about myself that I'm seeing in them. Does that make sense to you guys? I'm trying to just be very real. It's like, so then, then it's much easier to go, you know what? If I know that as, as flawed a human I can be, and he still loves me. How can I not love somebody else? We love when we know we're first loved. Amen? You cannot love out of willpower. That's my big issue of all of the... And maybe some good things came about, some of these religious things, like where they make vows, and I'm never going to do this again, never going to do that again. I'm like, good luck, man. You're going to do it before the sun sets. Because you just put a condition on yourselves. The conditions come when you're like, you know what? He keeps no record of wrong. Never feel guilty about anything you do, right or wrong. Isn't that powerful? He set us free from that old sin and death thing. Amen? All that we have is life. He came to give us life. So anyway, Thanksgiving, we realize that whatever he desires to give us this desire, whatever would make us this ultimate joy, etc., he goes, that is realizing you already have it, that I'm that good, is the door that opens the hand to his creative power within. Amen? Does that help you guys? All right, last slide, I think. It's the last slide I did, so i got to put my goggles back on. So I can't read that blue. All right, Psalm 37. So in the Strongs, here's what delight is. 
Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, I was looking at it today, it says, live in enjoyment. Doesn't that sound different than an angry God that judges you? It says, delight, live in enjoyment in effeminate, you guys know what effeminate is? Feminine, feminine, like the bride. Like, effeminate, luxurious. So dwell in his desire to just spoil us as a pampered bride that we are. God pampers us. He gives us desires of our heart, not for anything we deserve or don't deserve. That's just guilt. That's shame. That's, that's working to try get healed. That's working to try get blessed. If I think I'm blessed or not blessed based on something I do or don't do, man, that's a mess, isn't it? Now, if you have willpower, you'll, you'll judge a little bit and go, at least I can do that. That's where it's easy to just go, you know what? I'm a flawed human being, and he still blesses us. He's so good. It's just easier to, to have faith, be persuaded when you realize it's based on his love for us. But if you still have this angry God, it's hard to have faith because you can't be persuaded that he's going to give it to you just because. Amen? Does that help you guys? So delight yourself, live as this enjoyment, this effeminate, this luxurious yourself in the Lord. So he wants us to dwell there in our heart. Like, Lord, you, you're such a good God. You're such a loving husband. You, you do anything to pamper your bride. He goes, stay there. Dwell in that land. Abide in that. Follow me? So, he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, a desire, if you go look at it, is that a need? Don't you hear that a lot too? God will give you what you need. And nothing more. Sounds like a crappy Christmas. Doesn't it? <laughs> Socks. That's what you said. Socks. <laughs> so, my wife... And my family's starting to get excited about Christmas. Now, we didn't have this discussion of, um, and it's so prevalent in our culture. I mean, even when we sing Santa Claus is coming to town, what's the condition of getting something good? If you're good, if you're not, then what are you going to get? You're going to get Charlie Brown's Christmas. I got a rock. No, it's Charlie. It was the, what was it that we just watched? The Great Pumpkin. Charlie Brown gets a rock. I'm like, poor Charlie Brown, man. Looks like a Christian. So... Lord, I got all this stuff and you gave me a stupid rock. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, exactly right. He always gets the football pulled out. So anyway, you better be he's checking his list and checking it twice. Who's I don't even remember what who's naughty and nice, right? We're taught that from this high. No wonder we have these issues of receiving perfect love, right? So that's not who he is. So when we have these so here's what here's what her and I talk about with our kids. Oh, they would love that. This would really make them happy. There's no, did they deserve it? Did they earn it? That's not love. Love just gives because it can't do anything but give. Good? Good with that? So think about how you treat your, well, if you don't treat them well, then don't think about it. But think about a really loving family. Like, what do they do for their kids? What do they do and give? They give just because they give. Love gives. You good? He gives to you because he loves you. Zephaniah says he sings over you. He's so excited about the bride of Christ, you and I. That's a different than you better be obedient. That is, that is a stony heart. So anyway, have this, commit your way to him. That literally means roll it over to him. So what do you really want? What would just your life just go, God, Lord, if this happened, what is that? And don't worry about where it's going to come from. That's where, isn't that the other thing that his, his daughter said? He's like, as soon as you start to try figure out where it's going to come from, you've missed it. Doesn't that sound like the parable of the sower? We know not how. It's not your job to figure it out. As your job is to plant the seed, abide in what you really want your life to look like, and then he'll give you that.
you don't know how it's going to happen, but you'll fall asleep. One day the blade will be there, then the ear, then the full corn, but you will receive that harvest of what you plant there. That's cool to me. That's, that's persuasion. That's faith. That's everything. So anyway, commit is literally roll it over to him. So whatever you do that really desires, guys, here's what, what I want you to get. You are the bride of Christ. I want you to dwell there. I want you to go, man, God just took me to the Broadmoor. It's, it's 600 count Egyptian seats. It's just awesome. I don't deserve it or not. Like, they open the doors for me. How many of you guys like breakfast in bed at, at a hotel? It's funny because we ask our kids, like, hey, you want to go do these cool things? They're like, no, we want to go to the Ritz-Carlton and the Broadmoor and get room service. We want to get pampered and spoiled. I'm like, good Lord, what did we create? So, Because uh, I know growing up, I was like, <laughs> we were excited if we stayed at a KOA campground and they had a pool. That was hell now when I look at it. So anyway, just spider. I remember my sister, like, spiders in the tent. Like, what's that? She turns the light on. I, just turn the stupid... There's a daddy long leg. I remember that so clearly. <sighs> that was not the desire of my heart. But the pool was cool. I'm like, wow, there's a pool. It's easy to delight myself in that. But anyway, he says, roll that thing over to him. Trust him. And who's going to bring it to pass? He is. He is, he is, he is. Isn't that cool? Doesn't that sound fun? Doesn't that sound like you can design your life and go enjoy life? I came to give you a crappy life and only what you need. That is not what it says. I came to give you life and life hyper hooper abundantly. Amen? So you, you believe in hyper grace way beyond. Because Jesus and Paul believe in hyper grace. Where sin abounds, grace hyper abounds. Amen? It's so real. In fact, the first time I ever heard that, I heard Joseph Prince say this about fell out of my chair. He goes, whenever you've committed the biggest mistake in your life, ask for the biggest blessing. I was like, wait a minute, rewind that. What did he say? Because this goes contrary to everything I've been taught, but it's true. He goes, where sin abounds, grace hyper abounds because it's his goodness, his love for us that changes us to repent and change our heart and finally believe a love that he has for us. You guys cool? Get you thrown out of an elders meeting, but that's who God is. All right, God does not bless, heal, favor you best on whether you deserve it or not. You got to get that. You got to get that. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment in him. That is the stony heart. That's the temple of stone. That's the temple of Solomon where God says he's going to destroy that thing and he's going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David is you and I. His presence is within. His anointing is within. And Jew Gentile could go into God's presence and receive freely everything they desired. That's the tabernacle of David. So, he doesn't treat you as master-servant demanding obedience. A lot of Christians are still in that. I hear these words obedience thrown around all the time. Again, just think about it. If I made my wife, uh, if I wanted intimacy with my wife and go, sweetie, be obedient. <laughs> it's going to be a, tonight's not going to be a good night. <laughs> right? Man, don't we? Or tomorrow night, yeah, it might take me a while. So I'm like, son of a gun, how can I get back in her graces? So I'm more like it. She can bring home the bacon, <laughs> fry it up in a pan. Never let me forget I'm a man. Because she's my woman. Remember that commercial? Angela. It's like this cheap perfume, but anyway. <laughs> I remember that as a kid. So I remember those commercials. <laughs> Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You young people are like, what in that? 
Oh, thank you, Lord. He wants us to dwell in the tabernacle of David. If you abide in me and, and my words abide in you, what are his words for us, the teachings of Jesus? I love you. I keep no record of wrong for you. Father, even when we're killing him, Father, forgive them. They don't know what's going on. Heal their heart. The blood of Jesus speaks so much better. He didn't demand the sacrifice. We did. Somebody's got to pay. And he's like, nobody's got to pay. Love just forgives. Lord, let them kill me. I'll lay my life down to show them. And even then I'll go, I don't even keep a record of that. How can that not persuade your heart of his love for you? We kill him. I heard Baxter Kruger say this. So what do we do? What must we do to be saved? He said, we did it. We killed him. And his blood sprinkled on our conscience going, even that, all he does is love us, bless us, favor us, prosper us. When we kill him, his blood speaks way better things than that of Abel demanding judgment. Amen? You guys got it? That's the sprinkling of the blood, the sprinkling of the conscience. So dwell in his goodness. Stay there that he wants to bless you, love you, favor you. How can you not be happy then? Rejoice knowing he loves, blesses, favors, heals because of his love for us and nothing else. We know that he gives you the desires of your heart. Doesn't, it say, doesn't David say that? He goes, I'm going to bring the tabernacle of David back. The tabern- David understood that says, when you realize he loves nothing more than to pamper you and bless you as the bride that you are, he gives you whatever that desire is in your heart. He gives it to you only because you're his bride. That is the tap- tabernacle he's restoring. Amen? I'm doing my best to try to restore it. So hopefully you guys are getting it. So anyway, he brings it to pass how can you not enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise? And that's literally the creative ability of God. So you can get your feet. Hopefully this makes sense to you guys. Oh, so you got to figure this out. What, what would just make you go, Lord, that, that would be amazing. That would be amazing if I could live that kind of life because that's the life he wants to give you. Cool? Your job is to dwell there, not to see what you see here or think you deserve it, don't deserve it. Um, Sometimes when you're, when you're believing something, do you ever mess up? Yeah, occasionally we do. And what does he say? Don't look at anything out here. Abide here. Abide here. Realize that just stay in delight. Stay in like he loves me. He blesses me. He favors me. His riches are overflowing in every area of my life. Every area. He's just this, this continuous flow of his goodness, his love, his favor, his blessing. His anointing's unlimited. There's no limit to what's going on. Amen? Anything that's attracted to the anointing of Jesus is attracted to you. That's the fullness of the stature of his anointing. The stature of Christ is what it says. Isn't that cool? So whatever you're desiring, whatever, stop this thing. Is that God? Is that me? Is that the devil? That thought, wondering if it's the devil, is the Diablos, thinking the fallen mind, that somehow I have to qualify for that. Is, is an unlimited shopping spree a selfish desire? Yeah. That's why I love it, because it's such a, gl- a glaring thing. But it made that 15-year-old daughter go, wow, Lord, Lord. it was amazing, right? That's, that's who he is. Isn't that cool? So he's given the desire in every one of you. In fact, he placed it there. Some of you might have to dig it up a little bit, because you're still trying to deserve it or earn it or do whatever. And just go, you know what, Lord, if I could have that, man. Then the next question is, how would it make you feel? Because the emotion... And you see that and you feel it as if it's already done, because it is already done. He's, before you've even asked, he said, yes. A million times, yes. I love to spoil my bride and treat her like this luxurious pampering thing that she is. Amen? That makes me happy, actually. <laughs> Despite me. 
There's no guilt or shame for what we have or haven't done. You don't have to be deserving. You are deserving because you're hidden in him. And he deserves everything. And you're one with him. So that means you deserve everything. Amen? Father, we love you. We praise you. Oh, just thinking that you wanted the tabernacle of David, not the stony tabernacle, not the heart of stones, not the, the heart that believes we have to earn it. It's such an old covenant mindset. Father, I thank you that you delight in just spoiling us and pampering us as the bride of Christ that we are. So whatever these people's dreams are, just let them realize that whatever that is in their heart is so real, you've already said yes and you're bringing it to pass. What they can feel and see in their heart is more real than anything they see on the outside. That's who you are. That's who you will always be. And what can we do but just say, God, you're such a good God. You're so loving. You're so faithful. Even we're not. All we can do is say thank you. Thank you for everything you've given us. And that is literally the creative power of Christ, which brings it from the spirit to the physical. In Jesus' magnificent name, amen, amen, amen. Ah, If you want to give, you can give on the way out. Um, All you guys online, and just know when you're giving into perfect love, because he's in and through everything, what does perfect love do to you? It can do nothing but respond. Love is responsive. It gives back pressed down, shaking together, and running over. You get, that's who he is. Amen? You'll always have enough for yourself and for others. So, Father, we just thank you that you're that good, that love is that good, that you make all grace abound to us so we always have enough. In Jesus' magnificent name. Amen, amen, amen. You can give on the way out, online, wherever you want to do. So, love you guys. I'll be up here for prayer if you need it.